Good morning. It's good to see you here. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, we appreciate your time with us. I trust it will not be wasted. We will worship the Lord Jesus. You know, I, I'm convinced more and more as, uh, as I get older and I'm getting older, uh, and thank the Lord for that too, that we're going, when we get to heaven and uh, we spend time praising the Lord, some of the songs we are going to learn to sing and rejoice with are the Psalms. I believe that. And uh, if you read the Psalms, and so many of them uh, have been uh, put to music, the Hebrews put them to music uh, in Jewish worship. But uh, uh, we don't know many of those, but we do have a few that have been set to music today. And the 23rd Psalm is one that, uh, that is as beautiful as I have uh, realized in my days, at least. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 17. And while you are turning there, to play off of um, the response or the statement that Brother Brian made about your future pastor, uh, the transition uh, is in progress, and uh, the process itself is on time. Uh, we have just uh, recently uh, put uh, the training for the Connections team. That is the fourth team, uh, Heritage, Missions, Leadership, and Connections. Uh, Connections is the fourth team. There's one more that we will put uh, to training, and that is after uh, these last two teams, Leadership and uh, Connections, have finished their work, and uh, we will present that, uh, and you will be able to uh, have an opportunity of adding or subtracting or making statements and uh, different things anyway. And uh, we'll give you that opportunity. And that'll be on a Wednesday night. So be looking for that. And then um, the future team will be put to work and to task in bringing it all together. And uh, then the process of coming up with a church profile and a pastoral profile uh, will be done. And uh, those are what is in the near future. But we are on time, we are in time, and uh, the process is to work between 12 and 18 months. It can be longer, uh, it could be shorter. Um, the end of this year will be about the 18 months. The 12 months will be in June uh, that we will have been in the process. And so we look forward to all that is, uh, God is, is working in Corinth Church, putting together. And uh, so far, so good. Uh, the reports from the Heritage and the Missions team looks good. And uh, we're grateful uh, for them and uh, heard from the leadership team, and it's looking good. And uh, the Connections team just getting to work, and so... 
I look forward to, to coming up with that. All right, chapter 17 of Acts. In honor of God's Word, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Beginning with verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying, There is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crown and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Pray with me. Our Father, we are grateful for your presence. As we worship you today, O Lord God, would you speak to us? Would you touch us at the point of our individual needs and minister your word, your grace, and your mercy to us? And Lord, may we see Jesus and may we experience your moving in our midst that we may be convicted of our sins, convinced that we need to turn to you and converted to your way from ours. Because of Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ, we pray, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I want to share with you today from God's Word here in this chapter an idea that I think is, is pretty relevant to each of us and to all who desire to leave something behind us. Now, that's something that I'm hoping all of us want to leave behind us is a legacy. What do we leave uh, when we 
leave a legacy, uh, an inheritance a lot of times it's called, or in other words, uh, inheritance is, is anything in reality that we do leave behind. Uh, it can be individualized, meaning we can leave it to our grandchildren, we can leave it to our children, we can leave it to our great-great-grandchildren or our great-grandchildren, we can leave it to, to anyone. But what kind of legacy are we leaving? That's what I want you to ask yourself. What kind of legacy are we leaving? Now, I want you to understand, I'm not talking about these plaques that are left around the church building that has, this was dedicated to so-and-so and given by so-and-so. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about legitimacy from the standpoint of what we are leaving behind us for those who come behind us to be a part of, to be passed down to, and given to for meaning that will mean something to them, not something that is destructible or that's, that's going to, to pass away. Something that's going to last forever. I'm talking about a legacy that lasts. So let me ask you a few questions to begin with. Are you making an impact? in those around you? Are you impacting lives? Are you impacting those who are around you for King Jesus? Are you making an impact in their life spiritually? Are you you infiltrating in them and to them or upon them that which makes a difference in their lives, or in the world in which they live and you live? Are you making a difference to anyone in their life today? Will the investment that you are making in life matter at all to anyone? To anyone? And that, that means anyone, means family, means children, means grandchildren, and on down the line. To anyone, not even necessarily connected to you anyway, familial. Strangers. Are you making an investment that will last and matter to them? And then what investment are you making? Let me ask you another question another way. Is current Baptist Church making an impact in this community? Has current Baptist Church over the years since it began made an impact in this community at all? 
Are we making an impact in this community? So much so that if Corinth Baptist Church were no longer here, people would miss it? Would you miss it? Would it make any difference to you if Corinth Baptist Church were not here? You say, well, well Pastor, we could, we could go down the, the road to Tabernacle Baptist Church or maybe across the way over to Watkins Chapel or maybe over to Clayton or down to Smithfield. And on the thought would be, that's fine, but... What about right here in Corinth Holder's community? Someone, I've read a little bit of the, the founding of Corinth Baptist Church, someone saw the need of a church in this community. And so they made an investment for a church to be placed here. Okay. Has it made an investment? Has it made a difference? Is it making a difference? Would the community even notice if Corinth Baptist Church shut the doors and locked them and sold the building to someone else? And it not be a church anymore. Peter the Apostle makes this statement in 2 Peter 3, 9 and 10. The Lord isn't slow to do what He promised, as some people count slowness. Rather, He is patient for your sake. Hallelujah, He is that, isn't He? He doesn't want to destroy anyone, but wants all people to have an opportunity to turn to Him and change the way they think and act. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. And on that day, heaven will pass away with a roaring sound. Everything that makes up the universe will burn and be destroyed. The earth, And everything that people have done will be exposed. Will it make any difference on that day whether or not Corinth Baptist Church has been here? The Apostle Paul was consistent in his attitude, in his behavior, and in his character. From the time of his conversion, the Apostle Paul began to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified and resurrected and coming again. He did so with as much zeal then as he did before he became a Christian, as he persecuted the church. And he was zealous in persecuting the church and destroying many of those disciples and followers of Jesus. But when he became a Christian, 
His method did not change. His motives changed and his methods of preaching the gospel and getting the gospel out took a number of ways, but the message was always the same. Jesus Christ and him crucified, buried, and resurrected. Wherever he went, he did so. And this passage says for three weeks, for three weeks he went into the Jewish synagogue and he preached to them, he taught them, he labored in seeking to persuade them in the way of Christ. He was consistent in his attitude, in his behavior, and in his character. And he built a great legacy because today, today the Apostle Paul is still remembered for his life, for his testimony, for his preaching and his teaching. And not only that, we we have it recorded here. Much of this book is his, in his penmanship, but authored in reality through the Holy Spirit of God that led him and inspired him to write. Paul, formerly Saul of Tarsus, a Jew, he said in Philippians, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm a descendant of Israel. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a pure-blooded Hebrew. When it comes to living up to standards, I was a Pharisee. When it comes to being enthusiastic, I was a persecutor of the church. When it comes to winning God's approval by keeping Jewish laws, I was perfect. But we also know that you cannot live up to the law because neither you nor I can live up to the law. Paul thought he could when he was Saul, but he found out he could not. These things, he says, I once considered valuable. I now consider worthless for Christ. It's far more than that I consider everything else worthless because I'm much better off knowing Christ, Jesus, my Lord. It's because of Him that I think of everything as worthless. I threw it all away in order to gain Christ and to have a relationship with Him. This means that I didn't receive God's approval by obeying His laws. The opposite is true. I have God's approval through faith in Christ. This is the approval that comes from God and is based on faith that knows Christ. Faith knows the power that is coming back to life gives and what it means to share his sufferings. In this way, I'm becoming like him in his death with the confidence that I'll come back to life from the dead. That's the Apostle Paul. That's his testimony. That's his life. And he impacted people's lives around him. So much so that they know him. Saul, no, Silas, excuse me. Silas's life. Silas in, in Acts 15, 40 had an influence in Jerusalem. He was a Roman citizen. 
He is the he is the Silas of or Silvanus of the epistles, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. He's a companion of Paul. Where they went on missionary journeys spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Timothy chapter 16 verses 1 through 3. Apparently a native of Lystra. His mother Eunice and grandmother Lois, Hebrews. And his father was a Greek. We don't know his father's name. We just know that his father was a Gentile. And Timothy was taught the scriptures by his mother and his grandmother sitting at the feet of his grandparents and his parents. This book blesses the parents who educate their children. And it started out Christians educated their children. They didn't leave it up to the public school system. And every Tom, Dick, and Harry that comes along with whatever means they have and whatever teachings they want to give and whatever they think is right for them. Christ decided, God decided what we need to teach our children. not mankind. Folks, Paul, Silas, and Timothy were three different ones who impacted lives. Lives around them, their families, but also the lives of people in leadership and lives of people wherever they were, wherever they went. They sought to impact them. So that when Paul and Silas and Timothy were no longer there, people knew it. And it made a difference as well. But not only was it three people, there were three different cities in which they went to that the difference of impacting people's lives was made. There there possibly was no synagogue in the town of Amphipolis or Apollonia because they passed on through and they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue. In verses 1 through 9 of our passage, we see that Paul and Silas and Timothy spent three weeks in the synagogue. And, And the interesting thing is that Paul, verse 2, as his custom was, went into them and for three weeks, three Sabbaths. Sabbath is Saturday. So for three Sabbaths, three weeks, the apostle Paul, Timothy, and Silas were there and they reasoned with them from the Scriptures. They taught them from the Scriptures. They tried to make an impact upon them teaching them the Scriptures, teaching them the Word of God. 
Thessalonica was a commercial city. Located on the Thermaic Gulf, it was the capital of the second of four divisions of Macedonia, the capital of the whole province. With Corinth and Ephesus, the commerce of the Aegean Sea. It was a political center. (laughs) Imagine that. A political center. My goodness. Makes a difference, doesn't it? In the political realm of the world. As a political center, it ranked with Antioch in Syria and Caesarea in Palestine, having only one synagogue in the town, shows there were not a numerous amount of Jews there. But enough to have one synagogue. Thessalonica was a strategic center for the spread of the gospel. Paul said it echoed forth from Thessalonica throughout Macedonia and Achaia. Now, if you go on down and look at the passage, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again, verse 3, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ, some of them were persuaded. A great multitude of devout Greeks, Gentiles, and not a few, so not a few is what? It's more than a few. (laughs) Leading women join Paul and Silas. Is is it illogical that a lot of times it's the woman, the women that Sense God's moving and power in their lives and turn to Jesus Christ before the male does? Do we wonder why there's not a lot of men necessarily in the church today? Because, you see, we need to emphasize more and more that the man is in need of Jesus just like the woman. And the only way that he can be converted is if somebody shares Jesus with him. And a lot of times, it takes another man to share Jesus with a man in order for that man to become a believer in Jesus Christ. So, a lot of times, guys, listen to me, a lot of times, it takes you to go to your friend, your man friend, and tell him about Jesus. And tell him what you've experienced in Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, and what he's done for you in order for another man to come to Jesus. Because still it's true today that women are turned on to Jesus Christ more than men. Thessalonica, one city, where Paul, Silas, and Timothy made a 
and impact. Berea. In verses 10 through 15. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, where they arrived. They went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So they, they left Thessalonica. They went to Berea to preach the gospel there. Verse 12, therefore many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, Gentiles, prominent women again, as well as men. They took time to realize that the men were turned on to Jesus as well as the women in Berea. But when the Jews from Thessalonica, learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowd. <laughs> I, you know, I, I've, I've got to say this. I just got to. I just got to say this. Isn't it funny that people that don't like something have got to go where something is like and spread the bad news, and try to turn people off. They just got to get in the mess and cause a mess. It, it, it... (laughs) I don't know about you, but it sure proves to me that mankind is not so well-meaning. They just got to do what they've got do and if, if you watch any of the soap operas you know exactly what I'm talking about <laughs> and and listen there are plenty of soap operas during the day there are plenty of soap operas during the night too so you know don't 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 laugh if you look at those at night and don't look at those in the daytime because they're there I mean anywhere man envisions himself and can cause a stir and a stink. And that's what they did. They came there also to Berea. Why? And stirred up the crowds. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea. But both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who conducted Paul Uh, brought him to Athens and received the command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed they departed. They were trying to save Paul from being executed, hurt. But Paul was stoned. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was beaten. Paul didn't care what happened to him. He only wanted to make an impact in people's lives. He, was, he, he wasn't specifically going for a legacy, but what he was doing was bringing about and causing a legacy to remain. That's why we talk about him today. The third city, Athens. And so... 16 and following throughout the rest of the chapter, 
is about Paul and Athens, Silas and Timothy. Verse 16, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. I want you to notice in this verse, verse 17, where Paul went. First, he reasoned in the synagogue. He went to church. He went to their church. And he reasoned with the Jews in their church. In the synagogue, there was a place for the Jews, and there was a place for the Gentiles. The Gentiles did not go into the the place where the Jews went to worship the Lord. There was a Gentile area specifically for them, and that's where they could go. But they couldn't go anywhere else in the synagogue. And so Paul, Silas, and Timothy went into to the Jews, to the Gentile area, and taught them, reasoned with them, tried to persuade them. But not only did they go to the synagogue, they went into the marketplace. What is the marketplace? The marketplace is a place of business. It was a place where business was transacted every day. Uh, It's interesting, when I went to Southeast Asia, uh, we went into towns and we saw and walked through the town area of the marketplaces where we could share Jesus with the folks in the marketplace. We could share Jesus on the, the fishing trawlers, on the, on the docks where the boats were. We could share Jesus wherever the people were. And we, we saw to that's what Paul, Silas, and Timothy were doing. In the marketplace, the work was taking place where the people were. Remember the message I said, you've got to go where the fish are. If you're going to catch fish, you're going to go fishing, you've got to go where the fish are. They went to where the people were. In the marketplace, in the church, worshiping, working, to whoever happened to be there. Verse 18, Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said, He seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods, because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak. Again, they went to the philosophical, educated ones who talked about things. Philosophy. Thoughts. Ideas. And who ranked that so much higher than God. 
In fact, that was of God. Just the knowledge of that, the idea of that. For you are bringing some strange things to our ears, and therefore we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Now, can't you see, don't that make a whole lot of logic? Don't that make a whole lot of sense? To just sit all day long and talk about things in general? That makes an impact upon people's lives, doesn't it? Uh, read the newspaper and say, well, the news says this. John Paul Jones says this. And uh, else disagrees with him and says this. And so, what do you believe? Well, I believe this. That makes a whole lot of sense, doesn't it? I mean, it makes a whole lot of difference in your life. And people die and go to hell every day who know a lot about nothing. That makes a difference. I'll pick that up later. Athens, a city of idols. The phrase given over to idols means full of idols or the city was overrun with idols. Everywhere Paul looked, there was idols. There was an image to something. Some have estimated that there were well over twenty-five to 30,000 public statues as well as an additional 30,000 in the Parthenon. How many idols do we have in our world? How many idols have you put up in your life? Paul walked through Athens, and here's some of what what he saw. An idol to Zeus, the supreme deity of the ancient Greeks. An idol to the sun, the moon god. There's one to Aristotle, Epicurus, Zeno, Plato, Socrates. Athens was the center for religion and culture, intellectual and philosophers. Paul was able to speak to them this message. Look at verses 22 and following. Paul stood up in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. I want you to get that. You are very religious people. I, 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 want, I want you to know that I know you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. You are very religious. In fact, you are so religious that you even included the God that nobody knows. 
Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, it is him I want to proclaim to you. I want to tell you about God who made the world and everything in it since he is Lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. He's made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each. One of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art or man's devising. Truly these Times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. To repent. Because He has appointed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom He has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising Him from the dead. Who is He talking about? Jesus! And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, We will hear you again on this matter. Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed. Among them Dionysius, the Areopagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. What Paul the Apostle knew was that if he was going to make an impact, he was going to have to start where they were. And he did exactly that. You're very religious. Even even to the degree you've got an unknown God idol. Let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about him. And he took the opportunity and he talked to them about God as creator. He made all things and he doesn't need anything. God as coordinator. He governs everything. He determines everything. God is savior. They did what you've done in ignorance. God forgives and God can overlook and in his forgiveness when you repent. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you've been doing. But now he demands that you repent and change your mind. Turn around, turn away from that unknown God to this known God who is Jesus Christ. And he's commanded everybody everywhere to repent. Because he's judge. He's judge and jury and nobody has oversight. There is not a supreme court over him. They cannot appeal. They cannot be, his judgment cannot be undone. His judgment is final. And he has appointed a final day when that judgment will ring true and through his son, Jesus. What were the results? 
Some mocked, laughed, made fun of it. Some postponed, some put off. We'll hear about it, we'll talk about it some other time. We'll hear you more later. But some did believe. And some followed him. Is your life leaving a legacy for anyone? When you're gone, and the Bible says all of us are dying, there's coming a day we're going to die. It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this to judgment. So we're going to die. All of us have appointment with death and then the judgment. Is your life making a difference to anyone? Is Corinth Baptist Church existence making a difference? to anyone. See, I I just believe there's going to be a day we're going to give an answer to that question when we stand before Jesus. What did we do for Jesus. Did we make a difference for Jesus? Did our church, did I work to see that our church made an impact in the community where we are? Upon people's lives. Did, did, did I help the church to leave a legacy that this, this church is, is for the Lord Jesus and, and we preach the word. We're going to stand on the word and you've got to be saved. You need to be saved. And you, if, if, if not, if you've never trusted Jesus and you, you die, friend, you're, you're going to hell, which is eternal separation from the Lord Jesus and hell is no fun place. You may think I'm going to go, I will, I'll be there with my friends and my buddies. We'll go golfing. No, you won't. The Bible says it is a place of punishment and eternal damnation. The rich man and Lazarus, in the story of Lazarus, the rich man said he is tormented in this flame. That's hell. And people are going to die and go there. Some of your family, some of my family are going to die and go there. If we don't tell them about Jesus, we can't change their mind, only they can. But we can, we can tell them. We can't change the mind of people in this community, but we can tell them. We can, we can implore them. 
to turn to Jesus before it's too late. We can try to make an impact. We can try to influence. And that's why we're here. Lord Jesus, I pray that we're making a difference in people's lives. I pray that, Lord, we're, we're helping impact people for you. Lord, I want my life to make a difference and to make an impact upon people for you, for your glory, for eternity. God, help us. In Jesus' name, amen.